we were given a talk in Joliet County and one of the firefighters came up to us and was like, yeah, about a year ago, we had a greenhouse and they had a, a spill of uh, some type of fertilizer product. Next thing we know, we turned out to be a mass casualty incident because someone had dug out underneath the greenhouse, underneath the cement block. And that's where these people were living. And so all of wow. this ammonia, which, you know, is heavy, fell to the lowest spot and was filling up and choking out no. these folks that were living underneath. So as a firefighter, you, you you were going to, you know, some type of ammonia spill or something that would be just this innocuous event. You don't expect to find a mass casualty event. So when a fire inspector comes out to look at these businesses, you're looking for these small signs. If you don't have those optics to see that, you're going to miss it. Welcome to the Fortage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's featured message. Hi, it's Mike with the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with Tom Beers from the Cleveland Clinic. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. So, Tom, you're speaking at Ohio Safety Congress in this upcoming March. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're going to be talking about at Safety Congress. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so my name is Tom Beers. I am uh, the EMS program manager at the Cleveland Clinic main campus. I am also a firefighter, paramedic, and fire investigator with the city of Cleveland Heights. And I'm going to be speaking also with my partner who can't be here, Michelle Sorrell. Uh, we do what we call the Road Show. It's a, it's a program that we've written from scratch about human trafficking, uh, written for first responders by myself, a first responder, Michelle, who's been involved with the first responder community as an emergency room nurse and uh, coordinator for over 20 years as well. That's exciting. And I love this topic because I think there's a lot of confusion and gray area around it. And I think it's something that everyone could get passionate about and think most people are when they hear the word human trafficking. I mean, no one celebrates and likes that, but there's a little tension there and exactly clearly defining what that is. And so, so for our listeners, can you go into the nuance of what exactly human trafficking is? Yeah, so every time we do this let's talk, I think we've done almost 2,000 firefighters uh, and paramedics and first responders and fire inspectors and fire investigators, um, mostly in the state of Ohio, but Michelle and I have done national talks as well. But you're right, there's a lot of uh, trepidation or emotional, uncomfortable uh, topic. Let's be adults, let's have a talk where we can make it, um, you know, we can we can joke around, we, we can um, be at ease with each other because while it is a sensitive topic, it's one that has to be had because what we see in, in social media, what we see in pop culture, whether it be Liam Neeson's daughter getting lost for the sixth time, whether it be uh, Law & Order SVU, there's always this glamorization of that human trafficking is always connected to the, the sex trafficking industry. And while that is a part of human trafficking, it is not all of human trafficking. Globally, labor trafficking is the, the biggest component of, of human trafficking. We don't see it as often in, in the United States in a first world nation because you know, we're the consumers of the products and the products aren't made here. I'll give you an example right now. Big talk, electric vehicles, right? So in the United States, we want to move to electric vehicles, but we don't see what it takes to make those batteries for electric vehicles. The cobalt, where does the cobalt come from? Well, cobalt comes from one or two countries only in Africa. If you look that up, um, you know, most of that uh, mining of cobalt is done with children. Uh, lithium batteries, before cobalt was the big battery in uh, manufacturers of electric vehicle batteries. That lithium was mined in China. A lot of that was done by children. So we don't, iPhones, things that we consume, shoes. Uh, you know, there was, that, uh, there, there was a, this fashion trend recently of this quick fashion. These things that we consume globally are usually done with a uh, human trafficking of children. In the United States, and while pop culture, again, glamorizes, I don't want to say glamorizes, but 
uh, definitely makes it more pervasive of a conversation of what human trafficking is. They talk about the sex trafficking and sex trafficking isn't the, aren't these, they're not these big schemes where people are being transported, uh, you know, out of the United States or being kidnapped out of malls or usually it's, um, unfortunately, it's uh, people being trafficked on their own street within their own neighborhoods uh, where they are exchanging something for drugs, for sex. There's a, uh, they're doing a sex act in which they may have uh, be given drugs or they may just be giving uh, basic needs like shelter, water, food um, in order to survive. And that's called a survival sex. There's a lot of talk recently. Um, we're working with the Ohio Attorney General's office with Dave Yost, who's uh, been involved with uh, anti-prostitution, uh, John Registries, uh, human trafficking. Prostitution is a part of human trafficking, right? But it's not all-encompassing. It's just it's one part of it. So when we give these talks to, to firemen, usually after every single talk, I mean, not usually, after every single talk, we get firemen coming up to us and paramedics and fire inspectors who are like, I've seen that. And I get it because that was my own experience after the RNC. My partner, Michelle, came up to me. She's a, a nurse education educator. She's a manager of our forensics nursing program at the Cleveland Clinic at the enterprise level. And so forensics for uh, a lot of our public safety folks may think of like sane sexual assault nurse examiner, but it's so much more than that. And so uh, now it's called forensics nursing. And so she came to me after the RNC and was giving me these cases of EMS patients that were brought in during the RNC that were brought to Northeast Ohio for uh, sex trafficking, for prostitution schemes. Um, and she goes, doesn't EMS get any training in this? And I said, well, no. And she started describing these scenarios. And I'm thinking, like my own inventory of my career, I'm thinking, yeah, I've seen that before. I've seen that before. And I was really reluctant to get involved with, with this program. And then I realized, okay, we really have a problem. We have got to do some type of education because in Ohio, if you're a barber or if you're a, a nail technician, you have a cosmetology license, you have to have continuing education hours as well. And you have to have so many hours in education in human trafficking. But to be a paramedic, to be a firefighter, to be a police officer, to be a fire inspector or a fire investigator, you don't have to have any of that training yet. We have this power that we don't talk about. And I told uh, Dave Yost, the attorney general, the same thing. I said, EMS and fire Public safety in general is the number one untapped intelligence resource in the state of Ohio. Why? Because we have warrantless entry. People call us all the time to fix their problems. So if you have someone that you're trafficking, whether on the labor side or on the sex side, and um, you know they, they look at the people that they quote unquote own as objects. Um, so if, think about like your own car. If your car is broken down, what are you going to do? You're going to take it to the to the uh, to an auto shop to get repaired. Maybe it's so broken that you have to call a tow truck, right? Because you don't want to deal with it. You don't want to drive. They look at the the same. They look at people's these products as as things, non-humans. Well, my thing is broken, so I'll call the tow truck, which is EMS, and they'll take care of my problem for me. And they'll take them to the emergency department, or they'll get repaired for free and come back home and and start you know doing whatever it is for you know again laboring for me, working for me for free or for a, you know, or deep discount, um, or performing sex acts for me, for my business. So EMS has this warrantless entry process. Fire inspectors have this warrantly, warrantless entry process. And again, after every single talk, fire investigators, fire inspectors, firefighters, paramedics come up to us and they're like, I've seen these things in my community. So I understand where they are with this concept. 
Yeah, I agree. I think every American citizen should have to go through this training. Uh, I, I think there's there's things out there like first aid CPR. You could put mental health first aid. You could put human trafficking. I think anything affecting society, we should be teaching in schools and, and getting the idea started early and these different things. But not to get too far into that. So I agree with all that. Some of the most trained people are first responders. So we're thankful for that. Let's kind of break up the human trafficking like nuance a little bit. Let's zero in on labor trafficking because this is a little bit of, again, we think people are being overhauled in different things and being taken to the back of box trucks and cages and different things. We have this idea, but it's so much more than that. When I studied this before a couple of years ago, we brought some people in from Summit County. They made us aware like in uh, Northeast Ohio, there's a farm that got in trouble because they hired a third party labor company to bring in immigrants Immigrant workers will found out they claimed they didn't know, but the immigrant workers were being mistreated. They were being told if you do this, you know, they provided housing. They held that over the immigrants head. All these different things were going on. And so they didn't investigate the company that were bringing them in. So they got in a little bit of trouble there. So let's go into that labor trafficking. Let's explain some of this stuff just a little bit for people that may not make that connection with that language to what that actually looks like practically and, and to the degree to where some of our employers may not realize that they could be involved with that and have no idea. Yeah. So those are called labor brokers. You know, again, in pop culture, they'll call them like there's coyotes who will you know transfer people over international lines. And yeah, I live in Northeast Ohio. Uh, my wife used to work on an agricultural farm. She's, she's a farm girl. She's a, a country bumpkin girl. Um, and right next to her property where she, where she grew up on a farm was another uh, large farm. And so as a teenage girl, she was working with, you know, what we would call undocumented workers uh, nowadays who, who are here either legally or I'll call them extra legally, right? Outside of the legal means or, or bounds. So these labor brokers will hold Mavslov's basic, you know, basic needs, right? Housing, shelter, food, water. And so they want to make the most dollars off of everyone that they're trafficking in the labor market. So rather than give them, uh, and we talk about all this in our program, rather than giving them enough, more than enough sustenance, more than enough protection from the sun, you know, that all, you know, if you had, a, if you were employing illegally a uh, hundred different people to work in a field, like, and you wanted to protect them against the sun, like you have, like, why would you waste money? Again, we talk about like, they look at them as objects and things. They're not going to get like, start buying them sunscreen. They're not going to buy them sun hats. These uh, these unfortunate souls are going to be exposed to the elements. They're going to have just enough water and food to get by on a daily basis. They're going to return to places that are not in, you know not suited to be living in. And, and from a fire inspector's point of view, like you know places are labeled as residential, places are uh, labeled as commercial, places are uh, labeled as industrial for a reason. Because as firefighters, we show up at three o'clock in the morning. We don't expect anyone living in a commercial. Uh, structure, right? We, the, an empty parking lot at a, a strip mall, we don't expect people to be living inside a business. But a lot of times, because that broker or that trafficker, they don't, they're not going to pay rent for someone that they're paying almost nothing to. So they're usually, they're going to live inside that business. And we've seen that in, in our fire inspections. We'll walk into a small place. We're not talking about Walmart, right? We're not talking about places of, you know, of, of economies of size. We're talking about like places that have a very low margin of, of income, right? Like a, the, a margin, a profit margin. And so they're going to live in the janitor's closets. They're going to live in the garage. They're going to live in places that are not suitable. To and that creates a danger for firefighters and first responders and fire inspectors and investigators where we're not expecting to find human remains. We're not expecting to find people living 
that would cause um, with makeshift kitchens and a janitor's closet. You can see like the issue with that right there. So uh, the labor trafficking, there are so many signs out there. What we find is in our talk, we talk about, you know, our whole object of uh, objective of giving this lecture is that we want to change the lens in which first responders are looking for human trafficking. Because if we're looking for white females bound up in the basement with, you know, ropes and chains and, you know, being sex trafficked, if that's what we're looking for, we're never going to find human trafficking. We're never going to see it because we don't have the right optics in which to look for it. So if we really paint a true picture of what it looks like, you're going to start to see like, oh my gosh, rather than question, like, I wonder why that person's living in this closet or living in this business, you're going to recognize like, hold on. Yeah, really, why is someone living in this closet? Like that, that's a real, that's a red flag of human trafficking. And to the agricultural question, we were given a talk uh, in Geauga County and one of the firefighters came up to us was like, yeah, about a year ago, we had a greenhouse and they had a, a spill of uh, some type of fertilizer product. Next thing we know, we turned out to be a mass casualty incident because someone had dug out underneath the greenhouse, underneath the cement block. And that's where these people were living. And so all of wow. this ammonia, which, you know, is heavy, fell to the lowest spot and was filling up and choking out no. these folks that were living underneath. So wow. as a fire, as a firefighter, you, you, you were going to, um, you know, some type of ammonia spill or something that would be just this innocuous event. Well, okay, fertilizer spill, let's go out there. You don't expect to find a mass casualty event of people living underneath. Think about it, living in a cave, living crazy. underneath. So when a fire inspector comes out to look at these businesses, you're looking for these small signs. If you don't have those optics to see that, you're going to miss it. I, I missed it for a number of decades in my career of going back again to that own inventory and seeing like, okay, I've seen sex trafficking. I've seen human trafficking. So how would one differentiate? Because I worked with the homeless for many years at Family and Community Services. How do you differentiate between someone that's homeless compared to like a human trafficking situation? You know, homelessness and and, and unhoused people are really, um, a, a lot of it has to do with mental health issues in the United States. I'm a U.S. Army veteran. I, I've worked with veterans advocacy groups for over a decade and, and recognize like, you know, our, our the veterans community is a huge part of the homeless problem in the United States, but drugs are also a part of the homeless uh, situation in the United States. To answer your question, I think there is a distinction in that um, not all homeless people are trafficked. If you go back to the definition of what human trafficking is, it's the trickery, the coercion, the force fraud of a quid pro quo. If you do this for me, I will give you this. So not all homeless people are out there, you know, um, doing some type of work, again, labor or sex trafficking in order to have housing, to have food, to have water. I personally don't see that, not to say that doesn't happen. I think that homelessness and, and uh, being unhoused definitely is something that people could exploit in order to get people to work for them, perform some type of labor or sex act for them, because traffickers do exploit the, the vulnerable in our society. Again, it's something we talk about in our program. So I think there is a distinction between the two. But yes, traffickers could potentially and probably do go after unhoused folks in order to, again, do that quid pro quo. Hey, you're living on the streets. You have almost nothing. You have none of your basic needs being met. My partner calls that survival on the sex trade. Like, you know, that's survival sex. People, you know, exchanging sex acts just for survival. Too. So there is some of that, but it's not, again, just like the prostitution question, it is a, it's a small piece of it. 
you know, I knew someone that was a victim of human trafficking and it was through an employer. It kind of opened my eyes to like some of the advertising you see on job sites. For example, what she did was go around and sell magazines. I don't, I don't even think that's relevant anymore, <laughs> but like yeah, it, it, it was, magazines? it was not that long year, but they used to have magazine sales folks that went around and you, you remember, we used to get them in the mail all the time. And, and, and mm-hmm. I don't know if they're still around, but they would go door to door. So they would say like, you know, make money, make $30,000 a year traveling the world and having fun. And they would kind of advertise this great marketing job that didn't require experience or degree. And then they get hooked in it and then they go around and then they're stuck in a 15 passenger van and going city to city door knocking with hotels. And then she was telling me and I was like, okay, but if you did that, how is that human track? I was kind of going through. She's like, oh, once you got in, they wouldn't let you leave. Like her particular employer got to the point where like, we're not going to take you home. We're going to, if you, if you don't do this, they would like literally have this physical violence. The coworkers have physical violence if they didn't listen to the supervisor and vice versa. There's all these different things. And then they would just drop you off in a random city because you're part of their van and they fed you. And if you didn't do what they told you, they would just drop you off. And so even the danger of job ads sometimes of going on and legitimately going, you know, uh, I would look at those job ads when I was in college. Like, I'd like to have fun. I'd like to go yeah. travel, you know, and then $50,000 a month. <laughs> right. And they make up the stuff that, you know, and then next thing you know, you're caught up in human trafficking and having, again, it's not sex trafficking, but it's, it's like they have you because you, you get stuck. You might get stuck in a Detroit or somewhere in New York. And no, Chicago. not Detroit. Yeah. You don't want to go there. So uh, not somewhere nice like Cleveland or Pittsburgh. Right. But to, you know what I mean? You get, you may get dropped off in the city and you have no idea, no resources, no phone. Cause they provide all that and take it away from you when you don't do what they tell you. So even job ads that we think, Hey, we're doing something right. Could be, you got to watch kind of look into it a little more. I live in a homeowners association and um, my, my wife works as a, as a nurse for the Cleveland clinic as well. And so she's had to listen to me talk about this topic for a number of years. And during the, the winter, we had some kids come in that were not from our neighborhood and they were selling candy. Like this is the type of candy you can buy at Dollar Tree, right? Like a, the, right. You, know, you go to Dollar Tree before you go to the movies, mm-hmm. right? You get like a box. Of I don't know anything about that. I don't know. Oh yeah. <laughs> so they would sell like uh, candy bars and Skittles and and these other items for instead of a dollar, they'd sell them for like two dollars, or they'd sell you know popcorn and they. And so what we found out was that they were actually being dropped off from another, similar to your story, you know, dropped off in a van stating that they were, you know, raising money for some football program that nobody had ever heard of, you know, that was definitely not, it it wasn't even our county. They had a name for this football program and the football program, when I did some research, came back to like a house in a, in a unsavory neighborhood. It was like, but these kids were out there in the middle of winter with like no coats, no hats. No, again, it goes back to where we're talking about labor trafficking. Like, why would you give your your laborers more than mm-hmm. enough to survive? Because that cuts down your overall costs. So on a personal level, yes, we, we've seen that to, to what you were just saying about your friend who was doing the magazine sales. And be, you just get trapped in these schemes where your survival is uh, is connected to your ability to produce whatever that labor is. Right. And if you're coming in this and you're from poverty, especially, you're just you're just more susceptible to be victimized. Right. Because you, you may not have the credit card right. to, the, the to get you a plane to get home or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, the traffickers definitely prey on the vulnerable. So they prey on folks that are homeless. They prey on folks that are addicted to drugs. And, you know, I know my partner does not like this term, but um, 
I'm a fireman, so I can be uncouth sometimes. It's slavery, right? It, it's, a, it's a modern form of slavery. And we think about like the colloquial concept of slavery. We picture chains and, and people being bound. And well, they still are, but the chains themselves are invisible. Those chains are an emotional dependence upon your trafficker, or a lot of times, unfortunately, the, those chains are drugs. So we've seen stories or in cases where people are transported longer distances to another area that they're unfamiliar with. And again, we talk about like that hierarchy of needs, right? Your, your food, shelter, water is your basics. But is anyone like I think, you know, Mike, based upon, you know, what I've gathered from your background already, maybe some of the folks in our audience, we recognize that drugs take over. You're like you don't want food, you don't want water, like you're going to put all your money and all your efforts into getting drugs. So when you're transported along, you know, to a faraway place, you have no support system, you have no family, you have no friends. And the only person that you know is your drug dealer, who is also your trafficker, because they give you the drugs for the labor or sex trafficking that you're doing. Like you can try to escape, but you're going to be out of that house or out of that building for 30 minutes. And what's the first thing that you want? Do you want water? Do you want food? Do you want shelter? No, your, your brain has been over. You're like, I need drugs. And the only place you know where you can get drugs is through that invisible chain that's connected to you, which is your trafficker. And you're going to stay in that scheme just to meet that function that your body needs, which is that that drug. So we 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 say that the drugs are the the invisible modern day chains of of slavery and human trafficking. I don't know anyone that could disagree with that at all. That's yeah. that's good. And I think earlier on you made a good distinction between someone going through some things like a homeless person and someone being coerced into feeling like they're in prison or enslaved to a situation they can't get out of. And that's a good clear line there to kind of differentiate yeah, between those two worlds. And again, those vulnerabilities, homelessness, it could be um, uh, poverty, it could be uh, a drug or addiction, it could be also a psychological, taking advantage of someone psychologically and, and manipulating them. So if someone has like, um, we talk about the LGBTQ uh, community being manipulated. So if you're a teenager uh, who hasn't revealed, and this, again, there's a, a terrible case we talk about in our in our program where, you know, if you're holding this secret about your sexual identity, Someone can use can exploit that. Say, hey, listen, I'm going to reveal you to your friends and family, and they're all going to not like you, and they're not going to accept this unless you do this for me. And they exploit that uh, for them. We had a situation here five ten minutes down the road from where I live about a suicide based from sextortion, and it and it made like headline news, and it was a terrible tragedy for our city and our local school Don, Don system. Uh, this one was Streetsboro. But there's probably more than yeah, one yeah, in our area. Yeah, the same one. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. there's a terrible story. The young track star. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good-looking kid, smart. He had friends. Like it was, didn't hit the profile of what you would imagine someone in that frame of mind, I guess, or mental health struggle would be. But got caught up in this, and that's the bad side of this. This is the real downside, I think, is those psychological chains, like you said, are just as bad as as if we had physical change. I mean it. To our brains and our emotions in modern society, there's, I, there's not much of a difference. And I'm not undermining slavery or any travesty. No, no, I, I didn't think it, but it, it is what but, it is. The times have changed. The technologies have changed. You know, yes. manipulating people uh, over the internet or, you know, the sextortion, which is a whole nother topic, a whole nother criminal enterprise, which I'm just starting to kind of learn more about. We, we gave a talk at Case Western Reserve to their EMS. They have students that volunteer and, and run a 911 service on the campus. Mm -hmm. So Michelle and I went there and we're talking and Afterwards, uh, a couple of students were saying like how pervasive an, an issue that is on college campuses now. 
you know, and I have uh, four boys, 18, 16, 16, and 14. You know, they're all the college age and I have two nephews that are just went to college. Like, this is an issue. Like, my biggest problem in college was like, you know, who had the lowest price on Milwaukee's best? Like that was the biggest problem I had to deal with. Six nine out of case, baby. Yeah, <laughs> and I went to the University of Dayton, so you know they Terrible. sold that thing by the Terrible. barrel. Yes, um, but that you know, should like, be a whole hell topic. Don't drink yeah, that, that crap. <laughs> but that was the biggest problem I had. Is like, where am I getting Milwaukee's best tonight? Uh, versus like now, kids have to deal with the internet and sex extortion. But there's a whole nother, a whole nother topic. But again, it, it talks to like the idea of people exploiting your vulnerabilities. You know, there's predators out there and there are prey. You have to do everything in your in your ability to not become prey. But you like you're just saying how easy it is for someone to fall into like a labor scam where they're selling magazines. You know, how easy is it for someone to like all of a sudden have their emotions manipulated to the point where they'll do anything to not have their secret exposed or have their drug needs met or their psychological needs met? Absolutely. So we're running out of time. Yeah. Unfortunately, if we could just just real quick give us like a 30 second kind of I know it's it's not gonna do it justice, but how do we how can we ID these victims? Could we like if we're EMS fire, if we're just at McDonald's and we're at a Walmart and we just run into people if we're a hairdresser, like you said, or we work in a nail salon, what are what are some things that we could do to identify and maybe reach out to see if we can help? Well, the number one thing you do is come to our talk at this conference because that'll <laughs> give you all the tools that you need. Uh, so we hope to see you there. I would say the the and this has been a concept that again as a, as a fireman, like my my partner is always saying this, like being like trauma informed, like recognizing that people are coming to their 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 troubles and their experiences or that their current situation is all based upon past prior experiences and that they're looking at the world through a different lens. So have empathy when you look at people try to put yourself in their shoes you know why is this person homeless why is this person addicted to drugs rather than just saying huh, homeless they don't want to work or huh, just another drug act like what are the conditions and the circumstances that got them to that point and how is it that they're surviving you know try to like find the root of the root and the butt of the butt of like what it is that led them into that terrible situation and sometimes Unfortunately, often it is uh, it is related to a human trafficking scheme. I've heard in times past too, you know, when it comes to sex trafficking, look for tattoos because they may be branded and on the neck and these. Well, we'll talk these, about that too. These kind of different things. So we'll save that for safety, Congress. So listen, if you want to learn more and how to spot an ID, get to safety, Congress in March. Look up Thomas Beers and his the first response to the human trafficking session. It's going to be fantastic. So, Tom, last thing, if anyone wants to reach out and learn more about this, is there a website they could go to, uh, email they can contact you at, anything? Yeah, so they can, uh, my email's uh, BeersT, so that's uh, Bravo Echo Echo Romeo Sierra Tango at CCF, Charlie Charlie Foxtrot dot org. Um, I'm also on Twitter, uh, or I'm sorry, X as it's now called. Um, <laughs> at, and my handle is at one tall medic. That's O N E. T-A-L-L-M-E-D-I-C. And uh, you can find me there. We also have um, the Cleveland Clinic also has a free bank of uh, educational uh, resources for firefighters and paramedics. And that's at www. Do I have to say that anymore? www. I don't think you have to say that anymore. It's at uh, ccfems.org. And we have a virtual library of classes and you can actually 
watch uh, one of our presentations online, get continuing education oh, wow. credits for it. But hopefully in the next couple of years, uh, hopefully the next year, we're going to have uh, a module uh, through the state of Ohio uh, EMS uh, division so where any firefighter and paramedic and first responder can go on and watch a program similar to what we'll be giving at the conference. Yeah, I would love to see that the state just sponsor something like that or a private university and just make that out there available for everybody anyways. This is information that definitely needs to get out. So thank you so much for taking your time to go to Congress and reaching out to people and continuing the, the good fight everywhere you go to do this to help end human trafficking. So Tom, we appreciate you. Everybody out there, thank you for listening and be safe. The Ohio Safety Congress and Expo, hosted annually by the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation, is the nation's largest free occupational safety conference focusing on helping employers improve safety and health within their business. Over 7,000 attendees gain knowledge and earn continuing education credits by participating in over 150 educational sessions, workshops, and leading keynote presentations. Find the best solutions to your biggest challenges while networking with over 350 exhibitors in the Expo Marketplace. This year's event will be live and in person on March 27th through the 29th at the Greater Columbus Convention Center in Columbus, Ohio. For more information or to register for free online, visit their website at www.ohiosafetycongress.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn an Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.com.